Either their windows are broken or their stock is stolen. Continuous crime, the longtime Vancouver business looking for relief as the city promises complex care to curb the chronic problem. Plus, it was a miracle that it wasn't even more catastrophic. Honoring the victim of a highway tragedy and the warnings about the risks of rock falls on BC roads. Nobody went around the upstream side because you could get pinned or, or sucked under the vehicle. The motor vehicle mystery after a car crashed into this North Vancouver Creek and how crews got it out. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. More businesses in Vancouver say their pandemic recovery is being complicated by escalating incidents of vandalism. The suspects involved are often struggling with addictions and well known to police but stuck in a cycle of catch and release. Kristen Robinson has more including how the city's mayor is promising to tackle the issue of repeat offenders. Did you find anything you can't live without today? <laughs> Packed with rare treasures, Lorraine Shorick's antique vault has been a Main Street staple for more than four decades. Just looking. Okay. After two years of COVID and now constant crime. You find it it's getting worse? No. Oh, definitely. Much, much worse. She's grateful for the customers who come through. Nothing but being attacked. Either their windows are broken or their stock is stolen. Her neighbor, a family-run corner store, also under siege. Surveillance captured a suspect smashing the glass door over Christmas, then breaking the side windows. Four broken windows to start the new year. The owner launched a GoFundMe when he couldn't afford to fix all the damage. We're feeling very frustrated and tired, exhausted. Shorek's storefront scarred by four broken windows in three months. Luckily, he made so much noise the last one that he woke up the manager upstairs. The suspect arrested when police were called early on March 6th. What Shorek found in her window the next day, not a reflection of safety. I was a little bit horrified. I thought, God, no wonder you can smash windows so easily. So it looks pretty innocent as a bag of groceries. But this was not for shopping. It's a sledgehammer that you could knock somebody on the head or break any window. I mean, this thing is really heavy. Francis Joseph Boivin remains in custody charged with break and enter and theft. He definitely is well known to us. We have had uh, prior interactions with him. Six pages of court records in B.C. dating back more than two decades show Boivin has been in and out of jail since 1998, amassing 75 convictions, including theft, break and enter, possessing stolen property, trafficking and breach of probation. We have to find a way to stop it. Vancouver's mayor says help is coming for chronic offenders battling mental health and addiction issues. Jail is not the place for them, so that's why we have uh, convinced the province to invest in complex care. Uh, the police themselves agree that we can't arrest our way out of those circumstances. This year's budget allocates $164 million over three years to expand complex care beyond the current model of supportive housing. The way we're handling it is not working. Shorek hopes her window to the past will be able to survive the present. Kristen Robinson, Global News. 
Vancouver police have arrested a suspect who's accused of pushing a man down a flight of stairs at the Granville SkyTrain station recently. Police say the arrest was made thanks to a tip because of this video. It shows a 61-year-old victim being pushed down the stairs at the beginning of March. The VPD says it happened after a brief verbal interaction between the victim and suspect outside the station. Investigators released the video in hopes of identifying the suspect. The VPD says an astute resident saw the video on Instagram, then spotted the suspect downtown late yesterday afternoon and called 911. A 53-year-old man has been arrested. So we had no doubt that the public would be very instrumental in helping us solve this case. We had over 80,000 views on our social media channels. So, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks and months, we have been releasing video footage and it's really helped um, us solve these crimes. So in this case, social media has been a, a, such a useful tool and we can't thank the public enough for all their help, as well as the media outlets for sharing this information. Kamloops RCMP are trying to establish the movements of a van linked to a suspicious death investigation. Police were called to a disturbance at a home on Monterey Place late Thursday evening. There they found a body inside a vehicle. They say an autopsy will determine how the person died. Now police are trying to trace the movements of that vehicle over the past week in and around Kamloops. The vehicle is a 2020 white rental GMC van. It has BC license plates PJ9131. If you have seen the van or have dash cam footage of it, you're asked to contact RCMP. Police in Whistler are, are investigating an altercation in the village this morning. Officers had an area outside a fast food restaurant in the 4,000 block of Lorimer Road taped off. RCMP will only say they're looking into some sort of fight. So far, no word if anyone was hurt or arrested. And a new low for vandals in Vancouver who defaced a monument recognizing a legendary lifeguard. The memorial drinking fountain for Joe Fortes in Alexandria Park in the city's west end was desecrated with pink and green paint. Fortes spent more than 20 years as a city employee and became the first English Bay lifeguard in 1910. He's credited with saving at least 29 lives from drowning before he died in 1922. The Vancouver Park Board says the vandalism has been reported. A Calgary man is raising concerns about the safety of a stretch of the Trans-Canada Highway near Golden, B.C. His daughter-in-law was killed there earlier this month by a falling rock and his daughter and grandkids narrowly avoided injury. Global's Carolyn Curry de Castillo has more. Laura Tennant and her wife Lisa and their two young children were driving from Cochrane to B.C. on March 4th to celebrate their second wedding anniversary. These two were fantastic moms who would not take a, a risk with their kids ever. Lisa was driving. Her parents were in a vehicle about an hour behind the couple. Alan Tennant said they were chatting with the kids on the phone. Kids were carrying on in the back seat. They were chiming in. Laura had said something funny. Uh, the anticipation of being together really soon was there. We, we could see that Laura's very last seconds were pure joy. And we heard this horrible crash and screaming. Around four kilometers east of Golden, a boulder came through the roof of the Jeep. Laura died from her injuries. Lisa and the children were spared. The boulder came to rest between them in their car seats. 
And uh, it, it was a miracle that it wasn't even more catastrophic. Allen is now pushing for more awareness about rockfall risks on that section of Highway 1. We have driven that road literally hundreds of times. And I don't remember ever seeing that many rocks and rocks that size on the highway. And if this had been shared in advance that there was a greater risk, I think we, uh, we would have come, as we did when we went home, via radium. In a statement, a spokesperson with the B.C. Ministry of Transportation said this was a tragic incident related to freeze and thaw conditions that occur frequently at this time of year and that the recent rockfall occurred adjacent to existing fencing. It's a risk that people need to be more informed of and I, and I think the government in B.C. needs to really consider making better use of those digital signs of uh, social media. Alan hopes learning comes from this tragedy that's left a wife and two young children with an unimaginable loss. Laura was a really fantastic person. BC Transportation says the rockfall was unrelated to work on the Kicking Horse Canyon Phase 4 project. A spokesperson says as construction work proceeds on the project, new rockfall protection will be added. Carolyn Curry, De Castillo, Global News. Police in North Vancouver are trying to find out how a vehicle ended up abandoned in the fast-moving waters of Lynn Creek this morning. RCMP and North Vancouver District firefighters responded after someone spotted the unoccupied black BMW underneath a Highway 1 overpass near the Mountain Highway interchange. It took some effort and time to get the vehicle out of the water and back on dry land. The car has become kind of an environmental issue, so we got RCMP were involved, we got Mitchell's towing in, they came in. We deployed Swiftwater teams to make attachments to the car in the water. From there, Mitchell's could get a line on it and slowly they started to extract the car from the water. The case has now been turned over to the RCMP. BC's COVID-19 modeling team sees signs of hope and some warning signs when it comes to the pandemic. The number of people in hospital and intensive care with COVID-19 is down dramatically from its peak. As a result, BC has relaxed indoor mask requirements, among other measures. But those who chart the course of the pandemic say we're facing three risks. The first is that we open up too much and are too quick to toss aside masks. The second, that a new, more transmissible Omicron variant is making the rounds. And third, that people, particularly seniors who got early booster shots, are now seeing their immunity waning. Most people over 70 were boosted in November or December. And over the time course of three, four months, we've, we are seeing waning. So those are the main risks that we face going forward. We have a lot of immunity here in BC, but with those three risk factors together, we do expect another Omicron wave, not as steep, not as tall but a second Omicron wave. An update now on a story we brought you earlier this year. Three BC restaurants that were forced to close when burst pipes caused flooding during last December's cold snap are now reopening. We wanted to make the place look the way it did originally, so we tried to fix up as much as we can and make it look the way it was. DD Mao in Chinatown will welcome customers back this Tuesday after almost three months of unexpected renovations. Kim Tran's family-owned Vietnamese restaurant has been shut down since a frozen pipe burst upstairs before New Year's Eve flooding their dining room and kitchen. The water damage happened after they had survived nearly two years of COVID-19, neighborhood decline and Omicron-related closures.
Definitely dealing with insurance for the last three months has felt longer to me than the pandemic itself over the last two years. Um, it, it was really frustrating. We just want to thank everyone for the support and their patience and the community for reaching out to help us for the last three months any way that they can. And yeah, we're just really grateful for that. Two other restaurants that also closed for extensive flooding-related repairs are back in business as well. Sprezzatura in Mount Pleasant is doing takeout and will reopen its dining room at the end of the month. And the Carvery Sandwich Shop in South Surrey is reopening tomorrow. And after the break, caught in the line of fire, targeting the vulnerable trapped in Ukraine, Russia's increasingly indiscriminate attacks. And how a Ukrainian B.C. immigration lawyer who fled the war with her family is trying to help others escape, too. Since Russia invaded Ukraine more than three weeks ago, the United Nations says 10 million Ukrainians have fled their homes. Of those, nearly half are children. And as Global's Jeff Semple reports, many others who want to leave, including the most vulnerable, are trapped. As Russia's invasion of Ukraine stalls, its attacks grow increasingly indiscriminate. <laughs> the latest civilian target, an art school in Mariupol, where officials say 400 people were taking shelter. That strike follows allegations that Russian forces attacked a nursing home, a theater, even a maternity hospital. Russia has committed nearly all possible war crime. The United Nations said Sunday that more than 900 Ukrainian civilians have been killed, including 75 children. I just want to cry. I just want to shout to other countries to please help us, said Tatiana Pikatilyeva. She runs this children's hospital in Odessa, about 100 kilometers from the front line. Pakatilyeva says they've been spending a lot of time down here. Beneath the hospital, a series of bunkers, previously used for storage, now converted into fortified hospital rooms. When they hear the air raid sirens up to four times each day, staff bring the patients down here in case the hospital is hit. We play films for the children so they can't hear the bombs, she says. But this is not a fortress. We wouldn't withstand a direct hit. Christina Mitri-Zimlet's 12-year-old son, Mark, suffers from a rare lung disorder. Many of their friends and family have already left the country. We're desperate to leave, but my son requires special treatment, equipment and transportation, she says. We're trapped here until we can find a safe way out. Even the journey down into the bunker can be difficult for him. For others, it's impossible. This unit cares for sick newborns, many born prematurely. This baby just had stomach surgery. These babies cannot be moved into the bomb shelter because they rely on this life-saving equipment, their doctor says. They would not survive. She and her nine colleagues were given the choice. When the air sirens sound, go down into the shelter or stay here exposed. All of them chose to stay. Jeff Semple, Global News, Odessa. A B.C. woman who was working remotely in her home country of Ukraine during the pandemic has made it out of the country with her son after a harrowing journey to get to the border with Romania. Now, as Paul Johnson reports, she is desperately working to get other families out of the conflict zone. I got married on February 22nd, two days before the invasion started. 
How would you cope if this was your honeymoon? The sirens were going off every few hours. You could hear the planes and it's just was very uneasy feeling. Nobody could sleep. I can't believe you're here right now. No, me neither. Sharing her story with a colleague in Vancouver, Burnaby's Galina Danchenko and her son had been riding out the pandemic in her native Ukraine, where she met her new husband, Sergei. When it became obvious the family needed to get to Canada, they knew getting Sergei out was a long shot. This is what she was told at the border. You can leave, but he has to stay. It's a practice as old as warfare itself. Women and children can evacuate to safety, but fighting-age men must stay on. Ukraine's general mobilization order came within the very first hours of the war, meaning that even men with no military skills or inclination must prepare to defend their country. 33-year-old Sergei is a personal trainer. Most of them never held a weapon. Uh, they don't have any experience. On top of her worry for her husband and her brother's safety, Danchenko's own story illustrates the other crisis now upon us, an exodus of millions of mothers and children, no husbands to support them in the most vulnerable position imaginable. All these women with children who are going somewhere in the world and um, who's going to provide for them, who's going to help them. Danchenko has launched a GoFundMe campaign to raise money for displaced families and is appealing to anyone who can help. Just take a look at her recent wedding pictures. Multiply that by several million. Now you have a sense of how many families are in need. They don't have money, they, they don't speak the language, they don't know where to go. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. And the grassroots efforts to support those in Ukraine keep on growing. At Holy Trinity Ukrainian Orthodox Cathedral in Vancouver, a limited supply of hand-sewn Ukrainian flags are now being sold. Many people are paying more than the suggested price of $30 because the proceeds will go to charities supporting Ukraine, like the Maple Hope Foundation. A lot of people are asking about donations and, and what they can do. We wanted something that would, you know, be a physical reminder of that and so we we found some local Ukrainian girls who are are already taking care of uh, you know sewing these we were trying to get this from some flag stores that sort of thing everybody is sold out nobody knows where to find them so we figured our, our community is a good place to, to provide them because people are, are constantly asking where can they donate uh, where can they get flags all these sorts of things so we decided to be the source of this not just for me, but for my children and my grandchildren to display in their yards to show their uh, support for Ukraine. And I was so happy to see that um, Vlad from our church here was selling them. He said, beautiful Ukrainian ladies, girls, <laughs> made them with love. So it was, it's all going to a good cause. So I was happy to, to get some because they're hard to come by. And a candlelight prayer vigil is also being planned for Friday at 7 p.m. And still ahead, preparing to meet with the Pope. All of us are responsible for the truth and reconciliation. Every one of us in Canada. The church ceremony being held ahead of the Indigenous delegation sit-downs with the Pontiff next week. But first, CP Rail's shutdown starts as talks continue and farmers brace for potential fallout. 
Thousands of Canadian Pacific rail workers across the country are off the job because of a labour dispute. Farmers and dozens of other industries are warning the impacts of a prolonged work stoppage could be devastating. Global's Dan Spector has more. These Canadian Pacific rail workers in Montreal are just a fraction of the 3,000 conductors and engineers across the country now on the picket line after the Teamsters Union and CP could not come to an agreement. The company, unfortunately, uh, wasn't really in the, uh, in the mood to negotiate with us, so here we are. The two sides have been in contract talks since September. Each side is blaming the other for the dispute. But as negotiations continue in Calgary with the assistance of a federal government mediator, dozens of industry leaders are holding their breath. We are extremely concerned about the effect that it's going to have uh, on farmers, not only in Canada, but internationally. 75% of fertilizer is shipped by rail in Canada, much of it going to American and international customers. Farmers here are now in limbo. If our farmers are not able to get enough fertilizer, they're not going to have the kind of yields that we're really counting on this year. Fertilizer Canada is just one of 45 business groups who signed a letter last week calling for binding arbitration and saying a stoppage could do irrevocable damage to Canadian supply chains. In the context of COVID, exploding commodity prices, soaring inflation, the union blames the company for creating even more insecurity, while CP says the Teamsters failed to respond to their last offer before the deadline. It's uh, work conditions, uh, more stable work schedule. Obviously, like everybody else, there is the, uh, the salary aspect of things. The House of Commons resumes Monday morning after a two-week break, and many industry leaders are hoping the first order of business is back-to-work legislation. These kinds of things, like the blockades that happened at the various border crossings, these really undermine our reputation as that sort of reliable uh, trading partner. In a tweet Sunday, Labour Minister Seamus O'Regan pointed to his hope for an agreement at the bargaining table, saying Canadians are counting on a quick resolution. Dan Spector, Global News, Ottawa. And here in B.C., picket lines went up today at the CP Rail Yard in Port Coquitlam. As mentioned, the company and the union representing rail workers, including conductors and engineers, have been caught in a labor dispute over issues like wages, benefits and pensions. CP Rail issued a 72-hour lockout notice on Wednesday, and the union responded with a strike. We understand the impact on the economy. Uh, that's why we didn't issue our strike notice until until after they had issued their lockout notice. Our intention was to continue negotiating. Once the company issued lockout notice, we had no choice but to issue strike notice to protect our members. After a delay due to COVID-19, a group of Indigenous and non-Indigenous leaders from across the country are preparing to travel to the Vatican to meet with the Pope. This much-anticipated trip is meant as a way to further truth and reconciliation with the Catholic Church. Global's Chris Chacon reports on a special Mass that was held in Edmonton today to bless some of the delegates ahead of their departure. It's an emotional Sunday Mass at Sacred Heart Church of the First Peoples in Edmonton. We will pray for the success of our delegation and the well-being of all who are going. The church is a national parish for First Nations, Métis and Inuit people, and its pastor alongside Indigenous and non-Indigenous leaders from Alberta and others across Canada are about to travel to the Vatican to meet with Pope Francis. April 1st from 12 to 1 is the time general audience particularly for the primary delegates and the secondary delegates directly to meet uh, 
Pope Francis. That's where I will be meeting him. The visit to Rome was supposed to happen last year, following the discoveries of unmarked graves at former residential schools in Canada. But the trip was postponed due to the pandemic. It's very much needed. It, this has uh, uh, become to a point where uh, it's almost like a boiling point. But now it's back on, and Pastor Suse Jesu will be representing Sacred Heart as part of the second delegation, and he has a special message for the Pope. Please come to Canada and uh, be with our people and come to Sacred Heart Church as a national parish. And if possible, just bless our church. Your presence of prayers will immensely heal millions and millions in Canada. For him, that would be the greatest thing for him to come, you know, come to Canada here and officially make that apology. I believe that is... Uh, be a godsend, a blessing for all of all Canadians. An invite to further truth and reconciliation that would help heal many people in Alberta. I hope that uh, they can admit, take responsibility. It's important that we reconcile the graves, that we reconcile um, the residential schools. Whether the Pope comes to Edmonton or not. But even if he's not coming, uh, our people will always find a way to heal more forward. Chris Chacon, Global News. We understand these stories may be distressing for our viewers, and there is support available for survivors and their families. The number is toll-free and available 24 hours a day, and you can speak in confidence. It is 1-800-721-0066. And coming up, an artist takes action. And that their bodies are sacred. They are not to be abused. The high demand for her dolls and how they're helping Indigenous youth realize their worth. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. I think with any launch, there's a lot of people sweating behind the scenes. High hopes for reservation relief. The changes to the booking system for campsites launching tomorrow. That's after weather. But first, it may be the first day of spring, but a reminder to stay prepared for winter conditions, especially on the mountains. That's after firefighters from the District of North Vancouver had to rescue a group of unprepared hikers who tried to climb the grouse grind. North Vancouver District Fire Rescue says three hikers got caught in the snowy conditions near the top of the which is currently closed to the public. Rescue crews found the hikers and gave them the appropriate winter equipment. Members of the department say that although it might be sunny in Vancouver right now, it is still very much winter in the backcountry. Teachable moments that we can teach about uh, grouse grind. First of all, it's closed at this time of the year. Definitely wear your proper gear. And when you go up there by proper gear, I mean snow pants, gaiters, um, uh, crampons, all types of things like that. He says it's also important not to leave late in the day or else you can get caught in the darkness. It was about 6 p.m. when crews were called out for last night's rescue call. And the winter conditions have remained in central Alberta. That's where drivers greeted the first day of spring with treacherous road conditions. An emergency alert was issued this morning, warning of whiteout conditions along the highway between Edmonton and Red Deer. RCMP tell Global News about 30 vehicles were involved in either minor collisions or ended up in the ditch. One driver shared this photo showing traffic completely stopped at one point. 
Edmonton also experiencing snowy conditions with many roads slick for part of the day. Police report a total of 52 collisions, seven resulting in property damage and one with injuries. Yikes. Well, for a look at the picture here in B.C., mm -hmm. we're bringing in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at the forecast. And as you said, it's not going to feel like spring on this first day of the no, season. No, and this is the tower cam that's out there right now at this hour. So we are still tracking some wet weather. A heads up, it is going to be a soggy start for a Monday, but we've got a nice bright spot on our long-range forecast, and I'll show you that in just a moment. Temperatures right now sitting at 6. We've got a northeasterly wind at 19 kilometers per hour. Here's the moisture with really a heavier pocket. We can see that in the orange and yellow there. That's just along Coquitlam in areas and towards the Fraser Valley, also seeing a wave of rain. Across the island, it'll be similar, and it really does start to pick up. Even through the morning hours, we've got breezy conditions for areas across the island where we could see gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. We've got a number of systems before we start to see a nice bright spot. I'll have that in just a moment. But overnight tonight, temperatures will be down to 5 degrees. We still have anywhere between 15 and up to 20 millimeters, and then through the day tomorrow with an additional 20 and 30 millimeters. So a bit of a soggy one for tomorrow. Temperatures will be up to 7 degrees average for this time of the year sits at 11. Futurecast, I've put this into play so we can get a snapshot through the afternoon. By the evening, another wave is going to move in, heavier at times, especially across the island. And if you're traveling along the mountain passes this evening, higher elevations, two and up to four centimeters, and the potential to still see some flurries for tomorrow with an additional two and four. So check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Now, the northern half of the province, or rather the south coast, there's the numbers with the Futurecast raincast, 20 up to 30 millimeters from most most areas and then higher amounts will be along the North Shore Mountains. It's the northern half of the province for tomorrow along the coast with very windy conditions, gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour and areas inland could still see some wet snowfall and then changing over to rain near Terrace and Smithers will be included within that. But seeing that transition with Smithers even getting into the double digits, a nice bright spot across the province will be for the central interior, but most areas towards the south. There is that increase in cloud cover, a few showers possible through the day and then the moisture picks up once again towards the evening, but it's higher elevation. So once again, especially this evening, continuing for tomorrow, that we could see some of that accumulating snowfall. Whistler could also see some wet flurries in the mix changing over tomorrow. Highs will be up to seven degrees. It'll be breezy for most areas across the island. Even the western edge near Tofino could see some of those gusts of up to 60 in Victoria with winds up to 40 kilometers per hour. So a bit of a soggy start for our Monday. Uh, we've got anywhere between 20 and up to 30 millimeters for tomorrow. We'll see periods of rain for Tuesday, but temperatures gradually starting to bump up. 15 will be the high. And then on Wednesday through the day, it's unsettled with some showers. Starts to dry it as we get in towards the evening hours. Still a few days out, but we do have some bright spots. I know with spring break, second week, we are looking at uh, some sunshine in the mix, especially as we get towards the end of the week. Nithu, nice to see. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, for some, booking a camping reservation in B.C. for the summer is as important as the actual outdoor excursion itself. So there are high hopes a revamped booking provincial website will live up to the promises when it launches tomorrow and not crash along with dashed hopes of the past. Here's Kamil Kermali. After years of log jams and long lineups, the province hopes the new campsite reservation system will be a breath of fresh air. And the demand for slots is already heating up. Overall, I'll say it's a better site from what I've seen. Boyan Blocka was one of many beta testers for the new site. For him, it is without a doubt an improvement on the old one. In previous versions, uh, 
there was a lot more clutter. You felt like you were trying to pilot a 747. The new site launching Monday is expected to handle at least a thousand bookings per minute. A good thing since BC Parks has seen a 200% increase in demand for reservations. BC Parks has not been able to kind of keep uh, keep up with, with that demand for, you know, affordable camping and recreational opportunities. But whether the site can actually handle the volume, beta testers say they never got the chance to find out because the test site only gave them partial access. I didn't feel like it sort of answered the questions whether this was going to work or not. There's also the concern of third-party websites known as digital scalpers that some campers can pay to jump the queue. It just feels like, once again, um, people who either have money or technical wherewithal are getting ahead. It doesn't feel very democratic to me or fair. The province claims it's handled that problem this time around. So if you could give this new website a letter grade, what would it be? If the student handed in a paper and it was supposed to be a 20-page paper and the first five pages were excellent and the other 15 pages were missing, how do you grade that? Only time will tell whether campers will be able to navigate the website or feel lost in the woods. Kamal Karamali, Global News. We'll stay tuned to see how it goes tomorrow. Squires here for a preview of what is coming up. We'll stay tuned to see what's uh, going on with the Canucks. Uh, two trades today, both involving someone named Travis. A Travis is going and a Travis is coming. Mm. So Travis Hamannick to Ottawa, Travis Dermott into Vancouver from Toronto. We'll tell you all about it. Interesting. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for that, Squire. Also ahead, traditional dress dolls for a cause. They should be walking with their heads held high, proud to be who they are. The Indigenous artist creating a new toy with a powerful message. Stay with us. Children cannot learn when they are hungry. Food insecurity also affects their mental health. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for Toonies for Tummies and nourishing children in countless communities. Donate today to Toonies for Tummies in-store or online. An Alberta Indigenous artisan is creating a new toy with a serious message. She says her ribbon skirt dolls are a reminder that every child matters. These aren't just toys. They're Tracy Boucher's passion. She quickly found others share her passion. 15 minutes they were sold out. I was just shocked. I, I couldn't believe it. Boucher makes dolls, but not the blonde hair, blue-eyed Barbies she grew up with. The children can identify with these dolls. These dolls look indigenous. The clothes have a message. When they started discovering all of the children um, and every child matters and all the everything that went with that is when I started making the shirts. The message resonated. She quickly sold out at a Christmas market. And in the months since, Boucher has sold hundreds more dolls and now has a wait list. She hopes this will be a way to not only teach kids about the past, but also about who they are now. It's more so for our girls, that they know that they are precious, they're beautiful, they're smart, they're talented, and that their bodies are sacred. They are not to be abused. They should be walking with their heads held high, proud to be who they are. An empowering toy powered by ribbon skirts. So the ribbon skirts themselves, our teachings say that the women are the ones that are the keeper of the fire. They're the ones that kept the teepees, you know, man, looked after the families. Boucher's ultimate goal, conversation and understanding through play. We have to look out for the children always. 
to, to make sure that they know their past, they know the future, and what they need to do to get there. Sierra Yaschak, Global News. Coming up, Squires back with the full sports cast after this break, and later on, competing for cheerleading spots. And this is the first big audition that's happened pretty much since COVID. And that's not the only first, how the BC Lions are making the unprecedented move of welcoming all genders to its dance auditions. Enjoy the springtime in Asoyus. Celebrate the first annual Asoyus Spring Music Festival happening May 4th through 8th, featuring a variety of performances from artists of all genres, including Kenny Blues Boss Wayne and indie rock group The Yule Brothers Band. For info, follow Asoyus BC on social media. Join Global BC in supporting hashtag Toonies for Tummies, an initiative benefiting student nutrition programs for kids in our community. Donate today at your local participating grocery store or online at grocerystore.com. All right, Squires here for the full sports cast. And you promoted the two Travis trade earlier. Was that an expected move today? Um, no, actually. Well, mm. the Travis Dermott, yes. The Travis Hamannick to Ottawa, which we'll mention in a moment. No, I didn't expect mm. that. Not many people did. Uh, and the name Travis has been very prominent when it comes to changes with the Canucks this season. Of course, they fired a Travis as their coach back in December. Today, they made two deals involving Travis's. And when it was all said and done, they still have a Travis on defense. Former Maple Leaf Travis Dermott is now a Canuck. And getting him also saves money. He makes $1.5 million per year. Travis Hamannick, who was dealt to Ottawa is $3 million per year, and I still can't figure out why the Senators wanted Hamannick. But this is a very good outcome for the Canucks. A younger defenseman, Dermott's only 25, Hamannick is 31, and a cheaper defenseman who could blossom in a new environment in Vancouver. The Leafs made that deal because they acquired Mark Giordano from Seattle for three draft picks, and the Canucks' new GM is certainly happy Toronto agreed to send Travis Dermott to Vancouver. Uh, Travis uh, can play uh, both left and right side. Um, we're pro scouts and, and uh, we're analytic department. We're excited about him. And, and uh, I've had the opportunity to, to follow him for a couple of years here in Toronto. Can we expect more moves tomorrow? Pardon? More moves tomorrow? Uh, <laughs> well, I can't guarantee that. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, we'll see. We've got a couple more hours to wait and see. Okay, the Canucks probably feel more inclined to make deals now that they have drifted five points away from a playoff spot. Tonight they host Buffalo. Thatcher Demko is expected to start in goal after being pulled after two periods last night against Calgary, a game the Canucks lost 5-2. Now the Sabres have won three of their last four, and that includes a shutout over Calgary. The Canucks have lost four of their last five. If it doesn't end today, then, I mean, we're in real trouble. I mean... We're, I, I firmly believe we've still got an opportunity. We have to win a certain amount of games, in my mind, that uh, if you want to make the playoffs. But it's uh, not an impossible feat if you turn it around. If that was our worst, worst game in a long time, then let's end it then and start, start fresh today. 
right, Volpe Hints and the Dallas Stars in Washington. The Canucks hoping for a Capitals win here. They wouldn't get that dream coming true. Hints with a goal there to make it 2-0 in the first period. Then, does this look familiar? Alex Ovechkin on the power play, top of the circle, one-timer, 2-1. But Hintz will get a power play goal himself. This is nice passing by Dallas. And the Stars hold on for a 3-2 win. They're one point out of a playoff spot, four up on the Canucks. Now, Winnipeg can jump ahead of Vancouver if it beats Marc-Andre Fleury in Chicago. He may be traded before tomorrow's deadline. Jansen Harkins had a couple of goals in this game. This breaks a 2-2 tie in the second. And how about this? Fleury has lost his catching glove, and he's not going to stick his hand out to stop that one from Kyle Connor. 6-4 the final, so the Canucks now have Winnipeg and Dallas between them and a wild card spot. Well, the old saying, bringing a knife to a gunfight, certainly applies to the Vancouver Whitecaps tonight. They are going to play LAFC, one of the best teams in Major League Soccer. They're going to play them on the road, and they'll play them without Brian White and Ryan Gauld. Gauld was left in Vancouver with an abductor strain. Vancouver, of course, has not won a game yet this season. The game is on AM 730, starting, by the way, at 7 o'clock. All right. Golf, Valspar, final round. Adam Hadwin birdied the first hole, unfortunately. That was the only birdie he would get today. Okay. He was tied for the lead after one round. He won this tournament five years ago, finishes in the tie for seventh. Davis Riley took an eight, a triple bogey on the fifth, but on the eighth hole, he chips in for Bird, and he would end up in a playoff with his buddy Sam Burns, who won this event last year. This is the second playoff hole, and this is Burns. Look at this. That's how you win a golf tournament. Second straight year, Sam Burns wins the Valspar. Women's World Curling going on up in Prince George, Canada. Is at 2-1 right now. There are four ranks who are unbeaten. South Korea is 3-0. And And Max Verstappen and the boys from Formula One starting their 2022 season in Bahrain underneath the lights. Charles Leclerc had the pull and the lead, and he never gave it up. Although Verstappen was close to him for a lot of the race. But then Verstappen started having problems with his steering. Both Red Bull cars had problems today. He was eventually passed by Carlos Sainz, and then he had to pull out of the race altogether on lap 54. So last year's champion finishes today's race disappointed, climbing out of his car in the pits before the race has seen the checkered flag. Sergio Perez, also of Red Bull, he spins out. That means Lewis Hamilton gets a third-place finish, but it's all Ferrari 1-2. Leclerc and Sainz, Ferrari ending a 45-race winless streak. They finish 1-2. Lance Stroll was 12th. Nicholas Latifi was 16th. There you go. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. We're going to circle back to the Canucks, but not the athletes. We're going to be talking about their animals after this break with the competitive Canucks dog race and which player's pup came out on top. Stay with us. I think there are still questions that need to be answered here. This was a high-risk, high-reward strategy. So we wanted to set the record straight. But at the end of the day, we talk. And where we talk is right here at CKNW.
Well, when the BC Lions return to the field for the first time since 2019, they will be cheered on by a more inclusive dance team. The BC Lions dance team held auditions today in White Rock, and for the first time, male dancers were also welcome to try out for the 40 available spots. BC has never done it, and we're open to it. And how it all came about, actually, was we had our open registration call, and the 10th applicant was a male. So I called up the club. I said, hey, what do you think? Let's do it. And then... Kind of the door opened and we've had about a dozen males come through the audition today and it's been fantastic. It was a surprise. I didn't know if they were going to do that, but then I saw it and I was like, I talked to her and I said, yeah. it's just the sign that you need and especially... Uh, yeah, because like, he wasn't going to do it. Yeah. And then he like read just being like, boys are welcome, like everyone's welcome and it was just a sign. Yeah, and here I am. <laughs> The squad, formerly known as the Felines, is getting a new name which will be announced in May. Great moves there. Speaking of which, while the Canucks may have lost at Rogers Arena last night, it was a win for the dogs. Here we go, on your mark, get set, go! Off to the races, Easton Miller off to a good start. Almost there. <laughs> Round two of the Canucks' top dog race kept fans entertained during the intermission. Six of the players' canines, Georgia Sutter, Dallas Chason, Ollie Burroughs, Bubba Garland, Delilah Demko, and Easton Miller battled it out on the ice. Delilah, the Bernie Doodle, tried to catch up to the yellow lab, and it got down to the wire, but Easton Miller took it, shaking off the win and all of the attention. What a cutie. Good effort by all. Love nice. that. <laughs> Fantastic. Also their names. Yeah, exactly. Their names. They all kept Lila Demko, it sounds like a character from a children's book. Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Great names all around and a great forecast later in the week. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's spring break week two. It's still going to be a soggy one for tomorrow. Heads up 20 and up to 30 millimeters and then periods of rain, but a touch milder as we get in towards our Tuesday. Should start to taper off late day Wednesday. And yes, some sunshine in the mix in our long range, likely for Thursday, Friday so far. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much, you two. And thank you all for sharing some of your weekend with us. Krista Dow will be here at 11. Have a great night.